0: This is the Level Flight Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Level Flight Podcast. As always, I am Elliot and I'm joined by Brian. Hello. And Connor. Welcome back. So, this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the last three games that the Jets have played since our last episode. They played the Dallas Stars. Here in Winnipeg, then went on a two game Pacific road trip heading to Calgary to play the Flames and in Seattle to play the Kraken. They went two and one in those three games and mixed bag of results here, I would say. (laughs) Very, um, you know, obviously, it started out with a fantastic five one victory over the Stars, great
0: performance from the Jets. That was massive. Like, to be honest with you, it's been a few years since I've seen a performance that was, like, 60 minutes. The Jets were the better team the whole time. Like, even, like, that Blues game where they looked phenomenal, uh, the Blues still had their their moments and it was really the third period where the Jets came uh, and took over, but this game was incredible. They gave up the opening goal. It was, like, 21 seconds later, they tied it and then they did not look back it was five unanswered so
2: yeah did you consider that that blues game broke the blues though
0: i think it may have they've (laughs) they've lost what like nine of their last 10
2: yeah they are not good but that was such a dominant performance i i saw so many people on twitter after the game saying that that was one of the best games they've seen the jets play since they made the playoffs in 2018-19 um non-covid year aside um but yeah it was dominant that top line with Appleton on it, finally had kind of a breakout game. They they got they always had the production, but they never really controlled play like we yeah. saw them in that game. Uh, Shifley had two goals. Appleton had a goal and two assists. Beautiful assist on uh, on that backdoor pass to Shifley. Oh, um, yeah, that was great great game from that top line. And only 22, 22 shots against. Sorry for for Hellebuck.
0: That's big because yeah. um, he needs. All the rest he can get with what he's dealt with early this season. He's had a lot of shots against. I think he's firmly in second place right now in the league behind only John Gibson.
2: And his whole career. Yeah. Effectively, he's <laughs> yeah. always been right near the top
0: of the league every year with shots against. So giving him some nights where he only faces you know, 20, it's it helps. Like Obviously, the shot quality matters, and that's something you need to look at as well. But in terms of quantity, you can obviously limit the amount getting to him you're automatically going to have a better result.
2: And I did some research. The expected goals in this game were 4.1 to 1.8 for the Jets. That's just dominant. Like People want to say Ottinger wasn't playing, but Ottinger wouldn't have fixed that. Um, Absolutely dominant performance. Best one of the year. Top two teams in the Central. I was nervous going in. They wiped the floor.
1: No, they played fantastic. Um, I, I think this is a theme that we're going to continue to see. The forecheck was really good, especially mm-hmm. early. Like, we generated a lot of chances early because we were forechecking. Well, the the second Dubois goal yeah. was all just off of us forechecking, getting Wedgwood to come out of his net try to pick up the pot. That was bad. That, that was bad. <laughs> as Steve Dangle would say, as a goaltender... Tend t- the goal. <laughs> yes. But even then, you force him to make a mistake when he's probably just trying to play it around the boards. So... Four check is looking good. Lots of two on ones early too. I I rewatched the highlights before we did this episode, and I and I know they're just highlights. That doesn't really show the whole game, but lots of our highlights in the first period were two on ones. Like we had lots of chances. We were generating shots on net. Like it it was just a really really complete game that I don't think we've seen this team have in a
0: long
1: time.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, what's interesting, yeah. too, is we saw a bunch of different movement in the bottom six there, where we got to see a line that I wasn't actually sure about beforehand with Janssen, Fialby Lowry, and Manilinen Dominant. Mm-hmm. They were phenomenal. You know, you got the Gus bus Gustafsson down on uh, down on the fourth line there. He's really, you know, looking to come into his own. Um, but no, it uh, overall, we're looking at, one of the best overall performances we've seen up and down the lineup in quite a while. Um, Can't say the same for what happened uh, on on the Saturday (laughs) night in Calgary. Uh, Yeah, that wasn't as fun.
1: No. Uh, Jets lose 3-2 against the Flames. Completely, I would actually say, completely different team in that game. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that there was any... I I was hoping that something would translate, but Nope, it was completely different. We were on the back foot the whole
0: game. Yeah, it, uh, it felt very slow, which felt, as you said, the entire opposite of what the Dallas game was. We felt very quick, quick to the puck, um, you know, quick on the attack, quick to our shots. It felt like we were moving in slow motion for a lot of the game. Um, you see a lot of, I mean, we, we there was it was a very physical game, very entertaining in that way. But that was about it. There was aside from the feistiness, there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, real, you know, excitement. Uh, I'm pretty sure Dubois has Jacob Markstrom on his hit list now, <laughs> um, so that that should be fun to watch going forward. But no, it just it felt it felt like a, a real letdown after what we saw uh, on the,
2: the Tuesday night against Dallas. Speaking of Dubois, uh, he had a goal in both games, both games that we've talked about here: the Stars game and the Flames game. That gives him twelve points in fourteen games. He's on pace for forty-one goals. His career high is twenty-eight. But do I have to remind fans that it's a contract year for him?
0: <laughs> yeah, this is only helping his case. Yeah, and could make things down the line a little bit more interesting, especially with the rumors swirling about him. Uh, if he's, you know, having a monster year, uh, it really it's gonna really impact what happens going into this offseason. Um, but yeah, it's something to keep an eye on uh, I don't know if he hits that 40 goal mark, but if he does, great for him, but obviously overall in terms of what the team needs to achieve, it would be great if for for the the Jets if Dubois hits 40, yeah uh, especially with uh with Connor's slow start here if he picks it up, Shifley keeps it going. It's just
2: Eulers comes back
0: that's that's a lot of goal scoring, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I was going to talk about Dubois. I would written something down here. I just, yeah, I think he's been really good, especially in those first two games. As much as they lost against the Flames, I thought he still looked pretty good. Um, So, I mean, you can look at that whole game. You can pick things apart. I mean, Jacob Markstrom did a cartwheel. I think that also (laughs) kind (laughs) of pinpoints how the game went. Yeah, And a shorthanded goal ended up being the winner. But, you know, I mean... Trevor Lewis, uh, redemption right there. Yeah, the I game. mean, my word, I just, I can't. I it's. I will say on a positive note, other than Dubois, as much as Rick has made some questionable things, I will say after that, give up on the short as as the shorthanded goal. Maurice, probably, in that situation, or any other coach that the Jets have probably... Well, I mean, it's only been Maurice and Noel. But either one probably would have been livid, screaming at his guys, angry, mad, whatever. They pan the camera to bonus. And you can see he's upset, but he's keeping his composure. And I think that's really helped the team, especially in a game like when they played Seattle. Where... Some bad things happen, and somebody scores that probably a shouldn't score, or I mean, or we give up a goal that we probably shouldn't. He's keeping his composure and he believes in his guys. I don't think Maurice really believed in the team as much as as for as long as he was here. There was always lots of negativity, and I don't think Bonus has that in the dressing room. I think he's completely changed around the culture that this team has had, and I think that's why we actually saw the Jets. I think give a little bit more at the end of the game to try to get back into it, because I think in that situation, if Maurice had been there, I think the team would have completely given up. It would have been a 5-2 loss. we give up two empty net goals, and it just, I mean, it it's not even, it doesn't end up even looking close.
2: Yeah, I, I love the fight from the team. On the second night of a back-to-back, down 2-1, um, and they come back and win it. That's huge. Uh, Brandon Tanev, Revenge Game. Yep. It's, it was the weekend of Revenge Games. He's up to 10 points in 16 games. He's Brandon Tanev. Yeah, I've,
0: I've watched a lot of Seattle games with writing for them for the, the hockey writers. Um, he's... I mean, he was always noticeable with the Jets because he sends himself into the corners <laughs> like a projectile. Um, but no, he's putting himself in the right places a lot of times uh, and actually finishing the chances. Um, no, but he... Uh, he was out there, and his celebration after he scored, you could tell it meant a lot to him because he missed last year's game against us, I think, because he had torn his ACL. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was his first game against us uh, since uh, he had wound up with the Kraken. But uh, yeah, he uh, he was hyped up after that one.
2: Yeah, and Appleton also got hurt in this game, and he's not skating this morning. Um, a lot of guys aren't. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know exactly what's behind it or if it's just uh, a maintenance uh you know day for a lot of guys uh, but guys like Demello uh, isn't skating um you know you've got th- essentially throughout the lineup there's a few guys that are just swapping and swapping out Hellebuck worked with Flaherty before practice but didn't actually come out for practice it was just Riddick so uh, it might just be a lot of guys banged up a little bit uh, after the the road trip and well, the back to back and
2: bonus i think it was like a week ago he basically just said you don't have to come to practice you just have to be ready for the game i don't care how you get ready for the game but if you don't if DeMello doesn't feel like practicing today but he'll be fine on thursday and he'll be and he'll play good that doesn't matter to bonus he doesn't I like really that care. mindset it, yeah
0: it holds the players accountable too like if you are unable to properly identify if you can get ready for a game that's going to look poorly on you regardless like if you go in and you look slow uh, it's going to be very clear to everyone that, oh, maybe this person's not putting the effort in. That's a terrible look for someone. It's almost a motivation to, even if you don't go to practice, make sure you just know what's going on.
2: In Ehlers and Appleton's case, though, they're they're probably hurt. Like this, uh, I, I don't think this is a maintenance day for them, oh, especially no. since Bonus said he wanted to see Ehlers or he thought he might skate on Tuesday. Here we are on Tuesday and he's not skating. It's kind of concerning. I remember a month ago when he was day-to-day, And now we're here (laughs) a month later and he's still not skating it's It's just it's it's annoying but oh well
1: yeah there's not Mm -hmm. much you can do with injuries Mm -hmm. right i mean guys you see that in every sport guys are day-to-day or whatever and then there's setbacks like i'll even just reference zion williamson for last season basically from january february on it was oh he'll be back soon oh he'll be back soon and then it just never happened and I think that's the case with the Jets right now is they're doing kind of what the Pelicans did where Ehlers could probably go right now. I'm sure he probably would want to go right now, but we're playing well. I mean, the Pelicans weren't playing well, but there was no no point in playing him in that situation. But the Jets are playing well right now without him, and so they probably feel like we don't need to rush him back. We don't want him to get hurt, and then he's actually out a significant longer period of time.
0: If if he's out for the year, I I worry about how hot the uh, the top six will stay. Mm-hmm. Um, you need someone of his skill in the lineup more often than not. Um, I will say though, uh, looked like a youthful Blake Wheeler in oh, Seattle. Yeah, um, yeah. You know he got he was pissed. Uh, yeah, he when he plays angry, he might be the most terrifying player <laughs> in the in the NHL. Uh, he just absolutely unleashed hell on uh, Will Borgen. Um. He then sat for four minutes, just <laughs> boiling in his anger. Came out and almost single-handedly went through like four Seattle players to score. Uh, he gets the the tying goal with like four seconds left in the in the third there to send it to overtime. And he just it's stuff like that that really brings the team together, uh, especially from him who obviously he's been in the news a lot with you know losing his captaincy. He seems to have really, you know, embraced the fact that yes, he doesn't have the letter on his chest, but he's still one of the older guys in that room. With how he's, uh, you know, that you've seen the the videos after the game in the in the locker room, you've got them awarding their jackets. Um, he just seems so happy for guys when they succeed, and I think it, it, I don't, I, I never think it was really about his success to him, but you can tell there's a little bit of a burden that's off of him now, because um, he seems to be a bit more. You know, upbeat and not as angry all the time in the locker room, just on the ice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, d- I don't think he wanted to be the face, like, as much as he was the captain,
1: I don't think he wanted to be the face and the person that the media came to all the time. I think that he likes it. It's now kind of spread out and lots of guys. It, it's a team. It's the team getting now the, the blame, not just, hey, Blake, you're the captain. You got to take this head on. So, no, I was really waiting for the unstrapped bucket to come out after he scored the. <laughs> The game tire there and well, <laughs> yeah. late in the third. I thought he was, I really thought he was going to come out of the scrum there and pull the, <laughs> pull the strap off. But now we talked about um, another player in Dubois being on pace for 40, 45 goals, very high pace. We're going to now talk about someone who we were hoping to see succeed this year, and he is scoring a lot this year. Mark Shifley His goal scoring pace is Unreal right now.
0: Yeah, he's tied for sixth right uh, sixth right now in the league with ten goals. Um, the thing that I've noticed with him is he just seems to be putting himself in better locations to shoot. Um, I've found in the past either he's forcing it, he's missing the net a lot. This year it seems like he's you know actually making contact with the goalie a lot more, <laughs> which obviously helps if you're planning on scoring. Um, I, I I just I don't know what exactly changed whether it was just him finally sort of re- like relaxing a little bit it just f- felt like he was always trying to rush the shot um this year he just seems so dialed in that uh i mean he's shooting 26.3% right now which it's going to come down i mean it's going to regress that you just you know it will uh but i still think though that he will keep up a pretty decent pace like he's going to keep shooting he's been shooting more uh, especially with Connor struggling so early, I feel like he's taken on a little bit of the responsibility to go, okay, I'm going to feed him when I can, but if I shoot, maybe they're going to be expecting me to feed him, right? So it's maybe a, a good thing that both of them have that talent. Once both of them start producing, it's going to be a nightmare for other teams to deal with. But uh, yeah, I, I've, I've been pretty happy with how he's been playing all year. Just really nice to see him finally you know, making you know the right shots and actually getting rewarded for it.
2: Yeah, he's on pace for 58 goals. I don't think any of us <laughs> think that he's going to get to that, but um I
0: think he definitely eclipses 40 this year just with how he seems.
2: Yeah, let's let's all give a number. What do we think he ends up with?
0: Uh I'm going to say 43.
2: 43.
1: I'm going to go I was going to say 42, so I'll go I'll keep 42.
2: I did not think I'd be the highest when I wrote this down, but I'm I'm going to say 46. His career high is what 38. 38. Maybe yeah, he's never so. eclipsed 40. Um I think that the
0: real thing though for him is whenever it seems he's having a really great season, he's out for at least a little. Yeah. It stifles him. Yeah. So, uh as of right now, the Shifley we have looks like playoff Shifley with where he just it's like he expects to score every time he has the puck. It's just he's got such a, a confidence to him right now that I think it has been shaken in the past. And I think that's why a lot of the times he'll, you know, it seems like he's gripping the stick a little bit too tight uh, and send it wide or send it off. He hits a lot of posts, too. I don't know the, the numbers on that. It just seems like he has hit <laughs> a lot of posts in the past. Um, so it's just it's really, really nice to see it.
2: And you referenced this on the on the last pod, but he, he just looks like he gives a damn. It's so nice. Yeah. yeah, like the back checking, the fore checking, even that you referenced in the Dallas game. It's just it's it, it looks more like a team effort, and he's being rewarded with with the goal scoring. I really think that line needs Ealers back. That Stars game was the first game that they they really controlled play, in my opinion. Um, if, once they get Ealers back, Connor Shifley Ealers, Shifley's shooting percentages will come down, but Connor's will come up. And then that'll even out too. What's well, the <laughs> to thing?
0: Because Ehlers is ultimately a shooter as well. Yeah. So you're gonna. The only thing is with that, that's a lot of shooters on one line. Yeah. And we talked Someone's about how Perfetti, drop.
2: how Perfetti needs a shooter as well. So well, we'll maybe, maybe there's a there's a shakeup in the top six, but Shifley's playing so good. This team's gonna go like Shifley, Hellebuck, Dubois, Morrissey, Connor. Once he gets going, these are, these are the big guns. You need these players playing well, and Shifley is carrying the load right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think as much as we were worried about Kyle Connor scoring, he's got 10 assists. Yeah. So I think him just at least putting up points and setting up Shifley is enough for now. Are we going to need his goal scoring later? Yeah, probably. But, no, Shifley's had a couple bounces. A couple pucks come his way. Yes, a lot of them have been nice goals, but when you're going to score, need to score... Or not need to score, but when you're going to score 40, 45 goals, you need a couple bounces to go your way. But, yeah, I mean... So Shafley has been good, and we've had some goal scoring from a couple players, but that's even strength.
2: <laughs> I a-
1: think we've got some issues going on with the power play, and that was really evident in the last two games, uh, or at least the two games of the road trip. Um, again, especially against Calgary, and it kind of trickled into against Seattle.
2: Yeah, that Calgary game was awful. Uh, they had a five-on-three for a minute and twenty seconds without a shot on goal. That's just like that's PV stuff. Like, what are we doing? And they also gave up a shorty. In that game, um, just absolutely awful power play, it, and it just looks the power play just looks bad. It's like if if they're generating chances, Kyle Connor rings one off the bar, Scheifele puts it high and wide. Okay, they're getting good chances from good spots. It looks like they're just skating around passively, waiting for Kyle Connor's seam to open up when it never does. And then even when he does get it, he just shoots it at the goalie's chest or off his pad and then clear. Boom. And then they can't enter the zone. That's a whole other story.
0: Well, the thing is, too, like it's always been the case that when you even if you don't score, having a power play that cr- like generates chances is just as important, because even if you don't score, if you can gain some momentum there, especially near the end of it, um, you're, you're looking at a good sort of carryover into even strength. Having a power play like we did in those last two games, if anything, it gives the momentum to the penalty killing team because they feel as if they've limited us to nothing That as you said, that five on three, uh, it's slow. It's just that's my biggest issue with their power play is how slow they move. I think
2: if they even do move, if they do,
0: (laughs) I, I think one of the biggest issues right now is they don't have someone who's willing to fly in over the blue line like Ehlers is. Ehlers carries the puck in so much quicker. Immediately the defenders are having to turn a lot quicker. Therefore, you've got more positioning. I think without Ehlers, you don't have anyone who's willing to just you know, actually control the zone entry. There's a lot more dump and chase that I I was not missing that. Um, but no, I think the the loss of Ehlers on one of the power play units, which bonus seems to be relying, I mean, solely pretty heavily on that first unit. But I can't blame him because that second unit has not, it, it has a lot of passing. Yeah. As, as we've said in the past, um, if he's willing to actually play even amount of ice time here, I'd say you, you should probably look to move one of those elite shooters uh, onto that second unit just to see if you can get more of a, a carry through the entire, you know, offensive group there.
2: Yeah. Or, um, Gagne was on the top unit in Seattle. I'd like to see Perfetti there. Or, Wheeler was there a bit as well. I don't really know. Like, he's he's obviously a great passer. He has been his whole career. But, the, the one... Power play goal that Shifley scored in Seattle was a shot from Gagne from above the circles that caromed off the back wall and landed right on Shifley's tape for a tap in. Like that's not that's not a power play. That's not how you want to rely on generating goals. On well, if power you play. if you ask Gagne, I'm sure it was entirely intentional. Exactly. No, but <laughs> it's just they're not they're Shifley and Connor stand on the dots. Yep. Morrissey stands up top, and no one moves. Yep. And it's just ugly no to watch. Rotation. Cycle around. Yeah. There's no rotation. There's no nothing. They they. Pass it down to Scheifele. It's it's so predictable. They pass it down to Scheifele. Scheifele looks for the seam. It's not open. He goes back up to Morrissey. Morrissey gives it to Connor. Connor stands there, and then doesn't do anything. And then passes it like it's the most predict. And then Ori shoots it wide. And then and then again we can't enter the zone. Yeah. Ehlers is the zone entry king. Yeah. He without him that power play entry is just awful. Not, that's that's the it's thing. I hard to watch.
0: I have found that most of our zone entries now come from the defensemen who crosses the line, then posts up, and waits for other guys to get there, which then immediately lets the opposing defenders set up a little bit more quickly. Yeah. It just It's not a good way to run a power play if you're looking to generate chances. Yeah.
2: And this team has too much talent to have a power play that looks this bad. Yeah.
0: Well, What's yeah. funny, though, is the power play in past years has always been, quote-unquote, the strength mm-hmm. of our special teams. Yeah, Not that, anymore. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Um,
1: we are, as Brian pointed out to us just before we started the show, we are top five in the league in penalty kill. Uh, is that surprising to you guys?
2: Yeah, just because were they they were middle of the pack last year-ish, um, and it's mainly the same group. I mean, you've got Lowry and Appleton that come over the boards every time, the first time. Um, you've got Jansen Fialbi killing penalties. You've got Gustafson killing penalties. I'd like to say that it's all David Gustafson for the reason they're (laughs) top five because he was dominant uh, on the PK for the Moose last year. But they, I don't know if their systems have really changed. I know their entire coaching staff is different, so they they probably are running a little bit of a different system on the PK. But it's as much as the power play sucks to watch. It's awesome to watch the PK because they just shut everything down.
0: Yeah, it's really nice um, to actually see the Winnipeg Jets in the top five in penalty kill after the last few seasons. Which, yeah. I mean, well, that was largely huddy, right? Um, you're looking at the defensive systems there. Clearly, something has adjusted slightly. That I mean, obviously, when you get the goaltending we've got from Hellebuck this year, that he's your best penalty killer. But um, I was looking at a tweet earlier uh, from uh, uh, my buddy Tony. On, he's uh, Chevy's abrasive on Twitter. Uh, he was posting some heat maps uh, that showed that most of the shots were coming from the middle of the ice, but there was a lot of cold shooting, uh, you know, zones from out on the sides, which obviously you don't want someone shooting directly at your goalie because you're getting a lot of, you know, good open ice there. But what it's also showing is uh, passing may actually be stifled a little bit through the middle. You're not making Hellebuck move uh, as much, which is good because when you get a goalie moving side to side, you're obviously going to open up the net a little bit letting him square up to a shooter when he's already doing this well is going to obviously increase your chance of you know limiting your damage uh, if any at all
2: and that's hellbuck's game is he barely moves in the net and if he's squared up to a shot and he can see it you're not scoring you're not beating him Yeah. it's it's it, that's just how it works so if they're really planning on doing that and that's the system is to to funnel shots from one area and hellbuck knows it's coming from there that's a a great strategy and it's clearly working um yeah,
1: yeah, that's unreal. I yeah. mean, like, that—that's exactly how prob- a penalty should be run. Or a penalty kill should be run. I mean, you should know, you should be trying to pick a way that you're going to try to pick the other team apart so that you can maximize your opportunity of killing the penalty. It shouldn't be, oh, we're just all going to stand in the slot and just kind of hope that we block a shot or hope that our goal- goaltender gets over and makes a save, right? You should have a plan in place. And yeah, it, it, it is working.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Hey there, it's me, Brian. Yes, the same one you were just listening to. Anyway, I've got to talk to you all about something. If you're listening, chances are you found us through social media. However, if you found your way to us through the grapevine, by the water cooler, or through the magic of friendship alone, let me tell you how to connect with us even further. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now even TikTok. We're great at the whole brand identity thing, so we have all the same usernames on all platforms. Just search up Level Flight Podcast or the username Level Flight WPG. So, pause the episode, go follow us, then come back, okay? Great, you're back now? Perfect. Let's get on with the rest of the show.
1: So... This team is off to a 9-4 and 1 start. That is a little mind-boggling to me, but then you take a look at how our season started last year and we were 9-3 three, and 3 at this similar point in the year. Now, every the train went completely off the tracks with Paul Maurice <laughs> just deciding that he was done coaching the team about a, a month later and everything, but does this team feel different to you guys even though it's really the same exact roster?
0: I it it does. I it's I'm actually I'm having a hard time explaining this this year. Um it's one of those situations where you just see something uh repetitively and you're just like, okay, this this team they they they've got it. I don't know how. I don't know the process behind <laughs> it because there's certain things where I start I doubt that occasionally. Um that being said, you look at this team and just with how they're playing, especially as of late, and they've 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 sort of redeemed themselves because it was they were getting badly outplayed and winning early in the year. Uh, you wonder if uh, bonus has just found a way to get through them more because he made it very clear that you're winning games, but this will not continue if you play like this. And then they've you know, altered the way they've been playing is that him getting through or is it them also coming to a realization? I think it's a combination of the both, but does that then mean that, okay, maybe the coaching was a big part of why they were so wildly inconsistent last year?
2: Yeah. Um, the way I, the way I see it, it's more, it, it's the exact same team, right? We've said this all off season, Chevy made no moves. Run it back. Yeah. They ran it back. I mean, when I look at the stats and I look at, the chances they're giving up, the chances they're generating, the shot attempts are giving up, this is the exact same team so far. They're just getting top one goaltending instead of top ten. Like Hellbuck last year was a top ten goalie. This yeah. year he's the best goalie in the league. So, yeah, uh, maybe through these first however many games, they they look the same. But I on the ice, it feels the exact same. Hellbuck's just playing out of his mind, except for the Dallas game, the St. Louis game. Like there's games where it's like, okay, that's a different team.
0: I mean, even to an extent, that Seattle game felt different because, as Elliot said when we were talking about that, it felt like last year's team would have rolled over and just said, all right, we'll get him next time.
2: Yeah. Culture-wise, there's yeah. a huge change. I, like, on the ice, you can give up chances, whatever, but the clutch factor, this team is clutch, yeah. which the, that Wheeler goal with three seconds left, I mean, you just don't see, like you said, they just roll, they, last year they would have rolled over. Um, the willingness to step up for one another, oh, when when massive. Schmidt got hit, in the back and like the whole team was just <laughs> that that you referenced that wheeler um terrifying yeah like everyone was just pissed and last year it would have been like they walked at, like the austin matthews thing where you go up you cross check a few times you smile at the guy and you go on about your day but this year they, they, they are have each other's backs But I still have my concerns.
0: I mean, there's absolutely concerns. It just, there's something, as I said, I I have a hard time explaining it because everything that you said made sense. (laughs) But I can't explain it, but there's just something uh, about the group. And I think, as you said, it might be culture wise because that means a lot given to what we had heard, uh, you know, behind the scenes the last few years to hear that, you know, everything is running smoothly with the guys. They all, you know, care about playing for each other. And um, maybe that's it, but it just, It doesn't feel like they're going to do what the Jets did last year, where they came (laughs) off to such a hot start, uh, then lost, you know, like nine games out of the next 11. Kind of bounced back, but they they did not regain uh, five games over 500 until March 30th. And then they went, you know, pretty hot for a little bit there and then effectively killed any chance they had at ranking uh, the playoffs because they lost four. One, two and then lost another four opening April. And oh. good night.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's just... You, you can't have stretches like that if you want to make the playoffs. Another thing that you referenced is... Bonus has always talked about how... Yeah, we're winning games, but we're not playing the way we want to. That is huge because they're first in the central right now. If they get to where they actually want to, this team could be dangerous. But right now, it, I just don't really see a difference in the in the chances and stuff like that. Outside of... Again, culture, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a resiliency and camaraderie thing for me. I mean, like, they're resilient in getting wins, and their camaraderie is, we're a team, we're going to stick up for each other. Again, it's a, hey, don't touch Schmitty thing, and you're he's the nicest guy in the league. Are you really going to... Hit him like that and do him that dirty. I mean, it's a play in the moment. It, I mean, it could have been, <laughs> it could have been on purpose. But most of the time, stuff. Some of those hits aren't on purpose. You're just playing the game. And especially when there's somebody that's nice to you, you don't wanna, you don't wanna actually hit them. Sometimes out of anger or whatever. But I think that this team just has a different feel about them. They have a different vibe. Is the better word like you said Connor I don't think that they're much better really right now as a floor I really think that they could with bonus actually hit their ceiling that we thought that they could have the last couple of years with this core but are they there yet no of course not and like you said they're and I'll put this in air quotes they are first in the central I don't <laughs> think they're the best team in the central right now at their ceiling I think they are. I think by the end of the year, I think that we're seeing them sit second or comfortably third in the division. I don't think they're going to be in a wild card spot, I, but I think if they really hit their ceiling, they really could get to that point of being one of the better teams in our division.
0: Well, I mean, uh, have you considered, though, that they are the league leader in vibes per 60? <laughs> and, uh that they have in fact found the dog in them. They have that dog in them. They, yeah. I they mean, just have it.
2: They
1: they they do. And, and <laughs> it's not and as much as we're making a joke out of it, they
0: do. Like Gutsy they just, wins. They seem more motivated to come to the rink and actually, you know, play. Yeah. They seem like they're having fun. Which That's big which at the end
1: of the day, this is a game of hockey. As much as we like to rip on them and they're making millions of dollars and blah blah blah. They're, they're playing hockey and they're wanting to have fun. It's like any job. There are days where I don't want to go to work and you know <laughs> what I'm getting paid minimum wage but <laughs> I have to go to work and I don't I don't have any fun. And I think that's really kind of what it was last year for them was it was oh, I get I'm making millions of dollars and this is great but like I'm going to work and I'm not having any fun and we're losing. This year is their win and I even look back last year and they were winning, but they didn't seem happy about it. It was like, oh we're winning great. This year, it's like, hey, we're winning. This is awesome, and we're gonna improve, and we're gonna get better, and this is
2: great. And I love coming to the rink. I love practicing. I love being with my guys. So that really showed. That really showed in Shifley's post game or post game postseason uh, presser oh, yeah. when he was, oh, I need to reevaluate everything because he didn't want to go through another year of this. He didn't want to have to suffer through like mediocrity. And can't say I blame him. Yeah, and yeah. now he's the best goal scorer on the team, just like that. Yeah, and.
1: Speaking of not being mediocre, uh, mediocre, um, this city of Winnipeg has really seen some success in hockey at all levels and, to be honest, other sports too. Um, I My wonderful girlfriend last night um, sent me a tweet from Dave Minouk of The Illegal Curve um, just talking about the different uh, hockey teams that we have in the city. And I and he put all the records out and said this is this is what we're waking up to this morning uh, the Jets were nine four and one obviously as we mentioned the moose are seven three and one and the Winnipeg ice the team's WHL team is 18 and one plus the bombers are also going to the great Cup this Sunday um as, as crazy it is for me for a city that I always used to joke about when I was younger being a mediocre town or with teams and just never seeing success this is pretty amazing to me
0: yeah it's just it's nice to see um you know actually having you know a decent crop of entertaining sports teams which uh i would be you know wrong to not point out uh my boys out at the uh the winnipeg Goldeyes, uh they finished third in the, the west and went to the playoffs uh last year so um, they're looking to build on that this year. It'll be a year of big changes, uh, new manager, but uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see across all sports, we're really starting to see some some good you know quality play uh, that everyone should try and get out to support. you know if obviously the jets games, the you know the bomber games, whatever, sometimes it's not as accessible based on money or based on location. but you know there's always options. there's you know the ice games are pretty cheap. the you know, the Moose games aren't overly expensive. The Gold Eyes games aren't. So uh, definitely get out and enjoy this. Like, it's it's nice to see it happening. No one really knows how long it's going to go on. Um, so just enjoy the fact that, you know, things are happening.
2: And to further that point about the Winnipeg guys, if you're not going to the Jets game on Thursday, Connor Bedard is in town on Thursday and Saturday night. That's so, entertainment in itself. Yeah. If you want a chance to be able to say, 30 years from now I saw Connor Bedard before he was even drafted. Here's your chance. That's big. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Um uh, and the Bombers. I want to go back to them. I yeah. Brian and I were at that game. Oh. That was the loudest crowd I've ever been a part of. So much fun, such a great atmosphere. I love the snow coming down. It's just like fo- peak football weather. My toes were numb. I didn't care at all. It was just it was So much fun. fun. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and uh You you see them doing so well, and it it doesn't seem that long ago that it was just painful to see them go into the season. You're like, okay, are they going to get five or six wins this year? (laughs) Um, They've entirely flipped the script. So I know we're a hockey podcast, but over the next couple weeks, expect some football talk because they're about to play for their third straight Grey Cup. Um, That's insane to me just saying it, uh, but obviously – you know, we're, we're all Bomber fans here, and we want to see, you know, the three-peats. So, uh, you know, depending on how things go on Sunday, uh, which, uh, yeah, Sunday night, 5 p.m. kickoff, uh, Grey Cup, so definitely check that out. Uh, depending on how things go Sunday, you might have quite the episode coming early in the week. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the- a
1: longer part about the Bombers and just us <laughs> yelling into the mic, screaming. <laughs> yeah. If I'm even awake. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Lots of storylines as well. Uh, Kolaros, lingering injury. That ankle. Um, And you know what? And I think probably the biggest one, the media will hammer home this one for the next week and probably forever. Uh, Andrew Harris versus the Bombers.
0: I mean that that's going to be like a 4-hour story on the TSN pregame show yeah. like it'll start at like 9 a.m. and we're going to have Harris content until noon. Well, how
2: does it affect Austin Matthews? That's how the, that's what they're going to link it to.
0: How does Brady Olivera's play affect Austin <laughs> Matthews and Andrew Harris?
2: How does that mentorship affect what the Leafs are doing? That's that's what they're going to do. It won't affect out. the Leafs because they still don't have goaltenders <laughs> or a life. <laughs> yeah, I the the Bombers being so successful and the atmosphere at these two playoff games the last two years just reminds me of 2017-18 and the Jets and those street parties and the atmosphere and the vibes surrounding the city when the Jets were successful. It just sucks because it's like, the Bombers are so great, but it's like, that Jets run was the peak sports moment of my life. Just, I I it was still, so much fun.
0: I still hold true as well that the Jets would have won the cup if not for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, that's
2: but, a whole nother... Yeah, I, uh, I, could, I could... We, we could, could go on that. You know, yeah. maybe,
0: maybe, okay, let us know how you feel about this. Maybe we'll do, like, some retrospective, you know, e- e- not even full episodes, just maybe little clips or whatever. Uh, give us things you want to, you know, hear us talk about. Like, maybe it's the 2017-18 run. We go back and recap things, you know, stir up some some great memories, maybe some not-so-great ones. I miss you, Toby Enstrom. Um, <laughs> but, no, like, stuff, stuff like this where we want to sort of tap into the, you know, the nostalgia factor of things. Like, even we can even go back further into you know, the uh, previous version of the Jets. But uh, if that's something you want to hear, let us know. Um, you want to hear us talk more about, you know, local sports as well, let us know. And it, we just want to make sure that uh, we're keeping everyone in the know and uh, making sure that we're listening to the people who are listening to us. So, yeah, give us a shout on that to see if, you know, if we can do some of those episodes because we'd love to add a little bit to our repertoire here um we're thinking of doing you know little side episodes anyways so anything that gives us a little more ammunition for that would be great
2: or just yeah any topics you want to hear within our regular episodes too like we we appreciate all all suggestions that make our lives easier we don't have to come up with as many topics that's that's good for us so
0: absolutely yeah <laughs> um
1: yeah so that that I think will be it for us for this week um jets will play this week, I believe. Yeah, like they got a, a
0: three-game homestand coming up. Uh, they've got uh, the Ducks on Thursday, which you're gonna have a lot of a lot of tears probably in the building because it's mm. you know you got the the '90s um, you know the they're coming back. Oh yeah. You got Solani and Newman and uh, getting raised to uh, the the Jets little Hall of Fame there, so it's uh, it's gonna be quite a night there. Uh, obviously, it's gonna be special with the Ducks in town with such a connection there with. Uh, solani. Um, then you've got uh, on Saturday, the Penguins are in town uh, and then the ever dangerous Hurricanes are here on Monday. So uh, that's a 6.30 start, just so you guys know, on Monday. So keep that in mind if you're going to the game.
2: Those are three awesome home games. Absolutely. You've, you've got the the solani Neumann, um reverse retros. They're wearing them again Thursday. You've got Sidney Crosby on Saturday night. I mean, come on. And then you've got the Hurricanes. They're one of the best teams in the NHL. This this homestand is a big test and the return our, of Paul Stastny as well. Exactly. So lots th- of talent. Next week's pod to we're gonna have a lot to talk about because either if they blow these three teams out of the water, watch out.
0: Especially like honestly, I th- I feel like the game for me that I'm really gonna be watching um, is how we play against the Hurricanes because the Ducks are uh, you know bottom five in the, the league right now. The Penguins have just been fighting it. Yeah. Um, but. The Canes are just forever dangerous. You got, you know, Rod Brindamore has really brought that team. Rod in, the Bod. Rod the Bod. It's got <laughs> such an identity now in that that team. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, I'm excited to see how we respond to that. Um, but, no, it'll, it's going to be a very exciting week of hockey. Uh, can't wait to talk about it next week.
1: Three big games. Hopefully three big wins. And also maybe a Grey Cup to recap as well it might it might be a huge huge long episode be ready for that (laughs) um that'll be it for us this week uh on behalf of connor and brian we thank you for listening and go jets go
0: Go go jets you've been listening to the level flight podcast